0: Bases loaded and one out. Oh, my God. Deep to right field. Way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk-off home run.
1: Grand slam. Hello and welcome in, everyone, to episode 128 of the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Curlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. And tonight, George is joining me as we continue our first our positional early very early positional rankings or breakdown or whatever you want to call it preview i guess you can follow george on twitter at roto underscore nino george what's
0: going on man what's up man did a catcher a couple weeks ago now we're doing first base had a couple first basemen win mvp today
1: yeah i know it's crazy and we're gonna talk about them pretty much right away because we talked about news notes yesterday so very little i mean there's some stuff that happened but I want to try to give a chance to news for the news to add up so we have something else to talk about on another podcast. But like I said, today we're focusing on first base, just like we did with catcher. We're going to go through the top 12, according to the two early mocks ADP, which again, you can find on Twitter via Smada's page. I think it's at Smada underscore BB, if I remember correctly. And he has the two early mocks ADP there, and that's what we're going off of. But NFBC is running leagues already. So once we get a little more data, we'll start taking some of that data and reincorporating it. Maybe doing some like, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like looking at one to the other, comparing. We're gonna start comparing ADPs, maybe, and then maybe have some fun talking about that stuff. But until then, let's start right at the top. I still look at it, at it like there's two top players at this position in terms of first base, and I tear them together. I have my preference. I'll ask yours in a second but Cody Bellinger and Freddie Freeman per the ADP are going literally back to back ADP, 13.8 and 13.9 Bellinger getting the slight nod over him at first base only though. Which one would you rather have?
0: Uh, You know what? I think I'm still taking Cody Bellinger um, just before Freddie Freeman. To me, I I think Bellinger's still a first round first round bad. And I I think it's those stolen bases that, that really do it. Um, But honestly, you can't go wrong with either of these and, considering just the, I mean, there's this perception that there's a lack of depth in first base and maybe it is top heavy for sure, but there's actually a lot of names that maybe we'll get into today um, that actually like really late for first base. But yeah, I mean, if you can secure one of these studs, I'm I'm all for it. And for me, I I still prefer Cody Bellinger. If I'm picking pretty much anywhere in the second half of the first round, like he's going to likely be there and it's not a bad pick. I rather have strictly as
1: a first baseman, Freddie Freeman. I just love that high floor. And I looked at it today and it blew my mind. I know it's a small sample because, you know, he won MVP and all that. So congratulations to Mr. Freeman for that. But he won MVP and he has, you know, great, fantastic numbers in his career. But he set career best marks. And I'm sure I missed a couple in walk rate, K rate, batting average, XBA, OBP, Slug, X Slug. There's more. Woba, yeah. X Woba, X Wobicon. Uh, WRC plus average exit velo barrel rate, barrel rate, sweet spot percentage, hard hit rate. And I believe also overall contact rate. O contact and match of career high and Z contact. This is all while returning from COVID, which we thought he was going to miss part of the game of the year. And we thought he might not even be the same while he recovered. He not only recovered, but completely just mashed for two months. So I know this is a small sample. I understand this wasn't probably going to last all year by any means, but there's still a lot to be encouraged by that. I mean, I know he's 31 years old. I think he has another couple of years of this level of output. So I favor Freeman strictly as a first baseman over Bellinger, but overall in ADP, I would still take Bellinger ahead of him because Bellinger has the outfield eligibility, giving him that multi positional eligibility plus the stolen bases. It's the batting average that really makes up – like that's where Freeman yeah. makes up his, his ground on Bellinger. That batting average difference. Because you know you're getting close to 300 with Freeman. Bellinger could do 260 again, and no one should be surprised.
0: Right, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Freeman is one of the safest bats you can draft, period. And with Bellinger, you know, he really peaked in that first half of 2019. If you look at, you know, basically the last three seasons, he just exploded that first half of, of 2019. But, you know, maybe we could think of bellinger as more of that 270ish kind of hitter that he's been outside of that first half where you know maybe in his career he does put up you know some a, a se- another season of 300 you know batting average but maybe he is more of that 270 um, to 280 type of hitter maybe he has a 260 season like you said no one would be surprised um so yeah, I mean, as far as safety goes, I mean, there's there's probably none better than uh, not many better than Freeman. But Bellinger, I think he still, you know, stole six bases. I, I, that's where, you know, you're looking at, you know, you're getting steals from a position you wouldn't normally get steals from on top of, you know, all the counting stats and and home runs um, that Bellinger is going to provide. So, yeah, I mean, really good, really good uh, top end of this position here with these two guys. For sure. And just to kind of talk about Bellinger for a quick second in terms of the
1: batting average, you mentioned 270-ish, 267 in 2017, 260 in 2018, 305 in 2019, and 339 actually would be worse if you included the playoffs. We'll say 339 in 2020, the obvious outlier is the 305. So if you go back and you mentioned it was pretty much the first half because you actually go back to 2019 and you look up the splits, he hit, I'm looking them up, he hit 261 in the second half and 336 in the first half. So that 261, again, that kind of fits into what we've seen every other time except for the first half of 2019. So chasing that 300 is dangerous. Like, he might never get hit close to that 300 again. Not. I mean, he's 25 years old, so it's crazy to say that. But we saw Harper do something similar where he hit, like, what, 280, 290 or something like that for a couple of years, and it never has. he hasn't been close to that again, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. I, I want to look that up, but I will later. Just off the top of my head, that's like the comp because Harper was a similar age when he kind of hit that peak all category production. Remember, he was going like top two, top three. He was in that trout conversation that one year, and then yeah. he hasn't been back since. Bellinger was kind of there last year, and now I could see Bellinger kind of sticking where, because right now Harper's in the same area as Bellinger. I think they're pretty much the same player now, like at least in my estimation. Just he's younger. So Bellinger's younger, so there's more, I think, potential for ceiling, but Harper's a really damn good player. Regardless, that's just the, that's the only thing. It's like maybe the batting average. So, but you have to get nitpicky that high up. I said we wouldn't spend much time on these guys, but <laughs> when you when you look hard enough, you find something to talk about with everybody, except for this guy. I I find him to be just the, like you want to talk about a high floor, but the ceiling isn't as high as a Freddie Freeman. He's like a, he's like a poor man's Freddie Freeman, but he's going third overall and early ADP is DJ Lemayhu at thirty five point four overall. He has first, second, and third base eligibility, so that really boosts his value just at first base, I still think he belongs there. I I mean, he's just so solid. What are your thoughts on DJ LeMahieu?
0: Oh, man. Um, I think a lot is going to depend on where he lands. I mean, obviously, if he stays in New York, he's still worth, you know, that price tag. Uh, with LeMahieu, it's just – I mean, you know you're getting the the batting average, and – you know, solid power, maybe a handful of steals. For me, though, at first base, like if you draft DJ e. LeMahieu where he's going, I feel like you have to play him at second base.
1: Yeah, you know? that's that's the thing. It's I, I understand
0: that's, that's what carries his value, that
1: multi positional eligibility, because he would drop a little bit if he was strictly first base. I think so. Maybe I was wrong to say third base At uh, first base. He's still there. I think a lot of what carries him is that multi positional eligibility, but he is really good. Like, how much would you drop him if he was only first baseman? Maybe after Abreu? Maybe after Luke Voigt if you believe in – if you believe Luke Voigt can stay healthy? But after that, like, so yeah. he still belongs – I still think – that I think this is a tier, to be honest. I think he belongs in this tier, but I can understand strictly as a first baseman if you prefer someone else is where you're going with this.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, he's his ADP was 35 in the two early mocks. If Maybe if he's just corner only – Um it's maybe a round or two, you know, later. But no, I mean first base. Yeah, I, I, like you said, maybe you drop him below a Abreu and Voigt, but that's that's probably it.
1: Got gotcha. you. But he is what he is. I think a lot of it will depend on where he signs. There isn't much to say about him. He's been great, and yeah. being in New York, I mean, it's funny because we thought you know being in Colorado can't get much better, but he's really taking advantage of the short porch in New York and all that it's it's a great ballpark for him and i mean and that's the thing It's funny because you think because you would think he's a lefty with how much he abuses the short porch but being a righty you go if you go down and look you can see why he purpose i think he purposely puts the ball to opposite field Mm -hmm. because if you look at his oppo his oppo percentage is a career was a career high just last year at 43.4 percent the year before he he you know hit center and opposite field the most he's always been more of a up the middle and opposite field hitter so his skill set really lined up well with Yankee Stadium and this year he was really putting the ball opposite way and that's you don't have to I mean you could hit a 55% ground ball rate or 50% ground ball rate like he has and succeed in Yankee Stadium when you can just poke him over that right field wall so LeMahieu belongs in Yankee Stadium the second he leaves yeah I'm with you it's kind of like He takes a bump. He might even fall out of this tier, depending on which ballpark he ends up in, because the skill set doesn't lend itself to a favorable, like the floor drops a lot without a favorable home park.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think it's just more of like the, uh, the power, you know, where is that going to translate to a more, uh, you know, pitcher friendly park. So just kind of depends. I'd love to see him back in New York. I think it's a perfect fit. I think they get okay,
1: I, I asked this last night on the podcast. I should have brought it up to you, I guess. Lindor is said to be rumored to be going to like a thousand places right now.
0: Right. <laughs> and
1: but the Yankees losing Lemayhu, they could just move Glaber over and now they have a spot for Lindor, and then you know they can pay Lindor. Lindor's young in his prime. They love to pay for offense. I think the Yankees can do that. I think I think Yankees getting Lindor will make or break if LeMahieu goes back, but Maybe while because Lemayhu might be the secondary plan. Maybe Le- Lemahu signs. We don't know. I'm wondering. I don't think we see a signing for Lemayhu until we see Lindor get moved.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good point. I mean, I I would like it if you know Lindor went to New York and for fantasy. Labor- for not fantasy, for, yeah. not for reality. <laughs> for fantasy, it would be great. Um, not only for Lindor, but uh, to have Glaber back over at at with second base eligibility, that would be huge too. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. At this point, it's tough. It's tough because just you know, free agency hasn't so really unknown opened up so much. Right? It's just so much unknown. Uh, yeah, until until something like that happens, I think you could just assume. Right now, that LeMay, who's going to be a Yankee, but hey, anything can happen. You just don't know. <laughs> Do you think we're going to see uh, a late push for free agency? One of those like,
1: like not like last year. Last year everything was happening so fast. The remember what was it? Twenty nineteen, that everything was really slow moving in free agency. Yeah, I think you think we're going to get more of a twenty nineteen feel or a twenty twenty. Everyone's going to kind of kind of sign fast.
0: You know what? We might. It might be a little slow going. You know, I think a lot could possibly, you know, depend on what kind of season we're going to have next year. You know, we still don't know. Um, And then, you know, with the pandemic, with, you know, with COVID, we'll see how many games that they, you know, settle on, if we're going to get a full 162 or, uh, you know, what the protocols are going to be, if they're going to allow fans right away. I think a lot of that is going to determine, you know, some of the direction these teams go. Um, You know, if they're going to have fans, if they're going to have, you know, revenue coming in early on you know maybe some teams uh then decide okay let's start signing some more guys but i don't know there's just there's just so much left to be determined
1: <laughs> i just love how owners are crying poor already like right this, this is gonna be i i think it's gonna be slow going because players aren't gonna get what they're worth and all it shouldn't are-
0: matter because these guys are obviously filthy rich but i I
1: understand it's a business i really do but it drives me crazy that billionaires are saying they can't afford something like come on i've seen some of those weird paintings they buy and the exotic (laughs) cars they collect like come on man stop stop playing this game with us we want baseball we want we want these players to be compensated so we can see them play come on i mean okay anyway um uh, the AL MVP, you mentioned we have two MVPs this, uh, in this position, Jose Brayu going off the board at 37.3. I agree he belongs as a top four first baseman, but I don't agree with that price. I can't pay the premium. Can you pay the premium on a this year?
0: No, I, well, I won't. Yeah, I won't be having much of Brayu. Not that he would be a, a bad pick, because, I mean, he could absolutely, like, you know, lead the league in RBI and he's going to be a you know a safe 280 30 home run bat i mean you you know what you're going to get um but i i think at at this price i'm probably just looking at looking elsewhere uh, at a different position maybe that this price this is um you know into the third round i think yeah at, at the third round i'm i'm either looking at pitcher or Maybe someone who can steal me some bases. So it's just more of a team construction kind of thing where I'm I'm not taking him here. Just not, not that he isn't worth it, though, because I, I think he's very solid. I'm looking it up right now. I'm trying to open up a second window. Excuse me while I do this. I'm, I want overall ADP at this
1: point. And let's just, I want to play some of this like, would you rather? Because you have players like Luis Robert or Robert, excuse me. Luis Robert going a couple of picks ahead of him. Would you still prefer Robert over Breu?
0: Uh well, Robert, <laughs> <laughs> Luis Roberts, another one that I'm I've kind of not really in <laughs> on. Um, <at> this <laughs> I, mean, place, I just, so I, I, I just picked, yeah,
1: I picked, t- <laughs> yeah, he's going ahead of him. So if you're not, you, know, you probably don't want either one. Okay, gotcha. Mondes, he's going right there. You, you're always out on him too. So we'll skip that. LeMay, obviously. Ozuna, I think we both agree that we both have rather have Ozuna, right? Yes. It depends on where he signs though. Free agents scare me. Free agents are very scary right now. I'd rather have a Brayu
0: uh raphael devers uh i think uh oh man that one's good i mean you, i i love uh devers um, i know but and they're yeah. going right like right by each other uh i think i i think i'm still taking oh man uh- <laughs> yeah that one's you know what yeah i think i would take a Brayu. Okay, so then Braves ADP isn't that crazy for you? Um, no, it's not. It's not crazy. Like I, yeah, I, there, don't, I don't think it's crazy. But there means are I two. Just,
1: there are two names, maybe three or four actually. Here, I'm to rapid fire. These Starling Marte or Jose Bregu.
0: I would take Marte.
1: Me too. He's going after him. Eloy Jimenez or Starling Mar- or or Jose Bregu.
0: I would take Eloy.
1: I know you love Eloy. That's why. Yeah. Um, a, a guy I would take here is Corey Seager over. Jose Abreu.
0: Yeah, I would use that. that.
1: And what about kyle Tucker, Jose Abreu? Oh man. That power speed, man.
0: Yeah, give me Tucker, give me Tucker. That's why it's interesting. Too. It is interesting that basically a rise in Abreu's barrel rate has also coincided coincided with the rise in his strikeout rate over the last few seasons. So maybe he is selling out a little bit for that power, but Hasn't hurt him. I mean, he still hit two eighty four, three seventeen the last couple of years. So that, yeah. that's just that's just interesting. And I mean, it's it's interesting in in a sense that I mean, he's a thirty three year old hitter, you know, who is about to be thirty four. Yeah, I was uh, saying he's gonna be thirty four, entering his thirty four se- age thirty four season. Yeah. So is there maybe potential for drop off? Uh, there's a potential there, possibly. But yeah, he's I mean, at the same time he hasn't shown the decline,
1: except right. for the strikeout rate increase, which does tend to happen with aging players. Mm-hmm. So if he loses, because you know he's not going to give you more than two or three steals in the season. I mean that's what he's giving you, except for in 2020 he didn't steal any, but two, two and three the three years before that. So if he's not giving you any steals and there's a chance for the batting average to be less than pretty much elite, like 280 plus, which I would consider elite these days, um, then yeah, I'm going to hedge my bets on the age i know we've we should have learned our lesson right by now with um with our boy nelson cruz but not everyone ages as gracefully so there are names that we mentioned that we would rather have ahead of them to going technically behind them so there's a good chance we won't get them anyway because we just mentioned three three and four names that might and adp is going to adjust right so, so we have to be ready for that but he might rise up into the second round because people are going to start thinking of him as like a freddie freeman type i bet which i wouldn't do that personally but It wouldn't shock me. And what people can't see is your cat looking like he's (laughs) about to jump.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I just felt something on my back. It was (laughs) my cat over here behind me. Yeah, I'm waiting Uh.
1: for your cat to jump or something on you. It's like I looked up and I see a cat and it's being all cute rubbing on the post behind you. All right, people don't care about that. I just looked up and saw that. Um, Let's get back to first base, shall we? All (laughs) right, Um, back to first base. Your boy Luke Voigt's the. fifth first baseman off the board 46.4 the breakout happened he actually had a little bit of a mechanical like back stance change as well and with it came some really good results so that helped for me it helps me buy into that i know he was more aggressive at the plate his first pitch swing rate was was a little was higher this year he pulled the ball a little more if i remember correctly as well which helps generate power because again in general he's a big guy he doesn't need to help generate power But he also came in in better shape. But didn't he end the year injured as well? So there's always an injury with him. Sell me on the boy. Like, are you okay with this price? Or is this a little steep for you even? Do you buy, like, are you just buying in, ignoring the injury?
0: So his his average, uh, his ADP was 46, but he had a high of 30. Um, I'm not taking him at 30, that's for sure. Uh, But I think. You know, he has a low of 62. I would take him there all day. I would take him anywhere in the 50s. I, I wouldn't mind him. Maybe before that, there's likely other hitters that I like um, as well or pitchers. But I don't mind the, the ADP of 46. I, I don't mind at all. And, you know, I'm a big Luke Voigt guy. I'm, I'm still very much in on him for next season, especially if I can get him uh, closer to that high to, well, to that low range of uh, 62. I. He did end the year. I mean, it turned out he had, what was a plantar fasciitis. Uh, so it was just kind of a nagging thing. But he should be 100% to for next season. And, you know, we saw him make more contact, was a little bit more aggressive, which, you know, led to a dip in that walk percentage. But that strikeout percentage came down too. And, you know, he had a still stellar year, 277, 22 home runs. Now I'm still very much in on, on Luke Voigt. Yeah. I like Luke Ford a lot.
1: I just don't know. It becomes, it comes down to roster construction as well because he's going in that same range as some of the names we mentioned. And like, just like, um, Jose Abreu, although Void's going a few picks later, roughly 10, you still, he's still going in that range where Corey Seager could be there. Or how about Tim Anderson, that power speed combo mostly for the speed. It, it gets my thing is, it comes down to hit what his skill set is, and there's honestly some first baseman like you used to mention. We'll get to I really like late, so mm-hmm. that skill set, although I think is solid, it's like I feel like I'd rather be going for speed here and all again, or pitching even because if I go with these high end hitters early, there's a lot of good pitching with Kenton Maeda, Brandon Woodruff, Glass now Lynn, Gallon, all right here in this range as well. So, this is where a lot of pitchers are going to be going. So, you got we you, you might have to make, make that decision based on. Again, your team layout, the format, what what te- what your uh, what type of league you're in, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I'm i okay with the price. I'm okay as long as it's not towards the 30. Towards closer to 50, I'd rather have it. Mm-hmm. But this is exactly why. Although I'm afraid Alonso and Matt Olsen can't give you that, that batting average that Luke Voigt does, you know they can give you everything else, and they're going far like far cheaper. Well, not far cheaper. I should say Olsen's a lot cheaper. But the 6-7 first baseman off the board, are um are P- P- alonzo at fifty two point four ADP again that low that low that high pick of twenty eight but the low pick of seventy two and if you look at his picks one at thirty six one at twenty eight one in forty in these leagues and forty seven but the rest are like fifties and sixties so and obviously in the seventies a couple of them so that's why it's like I think you can get him in the fifties and sixties and Matt also we know kind of deserves a fall because the batting average is a legit concern but. These guys, it's like, why not just skip on Voight and take the chance on these guys with their upside being probably similar, if not just, if not arguably higher than Voight's. Maybe don't they don't have the floor because of the batting average concerns.
0: Right. Yeah. See, I, I think I'm way more likely to have Luke Voight this uh, upcoming season than I am to have one of like Pete Alonso or Matt Olson, just because I think like you know, can either one of Alonso or Olson hit 270? Probably not. Um, I think maybe Matt Olson can put up a 270 season uh, once in his career, uh, but I, I don't think he's a 270 hitter. I do think that Luke Voigt is uh, a 270 hitter just because that's what he's been outside of that stretch um, in 2019 when he was dealing with that core injury. So, you know, can either one of them hit 270? I don't think – I wouldn't count on it. Um, can Luke Voigt? Absolutely. Can either one of them hit 50 homers? Yeah, uh, for sure. But so can Luke Voigt. Um, and he's, you know, in a – I mean, you can argue the, the Mets are going to have, you know, a lineup that can – it's going to rival the Yankees. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean,
1: the well, – Their division is harder. The, the division just East is – AL East is a, is a launching pad. Boston significantly improves their uh, rotation, yeah, uh, the Orioles are the Orioles. The Blue Jays have nothing for pitching. The Rays obviously do have good pitching, and they don't have to face themselves with their with that bullpen, but they don't have starters either. So, pretty much, I actually you guys are looking at like that; those are tiebreakers. And I just talk myself into why. Obviously, I, I mean, I do agree with the boy ahead of them. I just thought it could be closer, but I kind of give myself reason to not make it so close based on that as being like one of the tiebreakers.
0: Right, yeah. And then you, we're not sure how Oakland's going to look without like a Marcus Simeon uh, setting the table there at the top. He uh, didn't do good for them this year. I mean, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. exactly
1: good this year, but yeah, I <laughs> yeah. That's
0: true. Yeah. Um, so that, I mean, maybe that doesn't but matter. I, but like you I, said, know, I know what those... you meant,
1: though. Yeah, I know what you mean, though. <laughs> he's still present. And honestly, over a full year, I'm sure he would have been fine anyway. It was. I can't, you can't take every small sample and think that's who they were going to be all year. Yeah. But yeah, yeah there's lots uh, to like about Luke Voigt though, especially in the peripherals. They're all like positive. Now, will pitchers are just sure, but so should Voigt. I think he's getting enough fitter and this isn't the first time he's done this well. You know, he, he has that. Right. He showed it in what, 2018 before the like, end part, I think 19 he dealt with injury. So that was the issue. Or when I turned around, you are a you're a Voigt guy. You, oh yeah, Voigt. No, it was the first half of 19 prior to the injury. And he looked really good. Came right. back, and it was never the same after the, the injury. And now, in 2020, he picked up where he left off. That's what happened. Okay, I know. I knew there was something with void. It's all in my head. So much useless information up here. <laughs> 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 if only, if only I did put this much uh, effort into like my studies as a kid, I would have probably done more than be a blue collar worker. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but back to Pelanzo, Matt Olson. There's um not much, like you said, there's not much really out there. They kind of are who they are. I think there's upside there, but there's downside. And my favorite guy, is going behind. I, I actually like this guy in rank on my head of P. O, P Alonzo and Matt Olson. And I, I think I might have even put him ahead of uh, Luke Voigt, which blows my mind because I was so anti-Paul Goldschmidt last year. But he's, yeah. the eighth, he's the eighth first baseman off the board, and I really like him this year. What are your thoughts on Paul Goldschmidt?
0: Well, we saw Goldschmidt really kind of change, um, you know, his approach this last season, because we saw that gradual decline over the last like five, six seasons now for Goldschmidt. It was, you know, it was there year after year. You know, uh, the increase in the strikeouts, um, the decrease in the walk rate. He was slowly selling out for of power. It seemed like maybe it right, was though, and we didn't know that. Right, so we saw basically from 2016 on, just every season, the the walk rate dropped, the strikeout rate increased, and then uh, just in this short season, he kind of really reverted back to, you know, more contact-oriented hitter. Um, uh, Walk rate was up to 16%, strikeout rate was down to 18.6%. So if this is the kind of hitter that Paul Goldschmidt's going to be, I mean, he only hit six home runs. So if he's going to be a 290 to 300 hitter, uh, maybe 25 home runs i i mean that's great that, that's good but i think maybe there's not much different than like dom smith or alec bohm a couple other guys like maybe he's not going to stand out anywhere in particular but he's just going to be pretty solid and that's and, why
1: I like him because you can get that without having to deal with the ups and downs of a Pete, Ol- a Pete Olson, a Pete, Pete Alonzo, Matt, or Matt Olson. Yeah. I can, that's why I think I honestly have to go look at my ranks. I might have Luke Voigt ahead of him still, actually, because I think Luke Voigt has a similar floor with a higher ceiling at this point. But the difference in Goldschmidt and a Dom Smith and uh, even a Rizzo back or any of those guys is we know Goldschmidt, and I think he's just as safe and solid as ever. And if he's reverting back to his old ways, you don't get the the stolen bases with that, unfortunately. But taking the high four-category floor, it's really hard to argue.
0: Yeah. And looking at the Cardinals right now, I mean, they could be a team. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they make one big splash this offseason. If it's a Nolan Arenado or a Francisco Lindor. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me at all one bit. So maybe that lineup could look a little better. Because
1: yeah, that is
0: it's- a surprise. 21 rbi
1: yeah that was that team was weird and they, but they have no more colton wong either so you have to remember like not that colton wong was amazing by any means or anything but he always was decent getting on base though and so that's going to open up somebody at the top of their lineup so a lindor fits perfectly for them because now they have edmund they could slide lindor in there but maybe goldschmidt goes back to hitting second as well there are or carlson maybe because we saw carlson come back up do really well for that a little like a last week of the season he even hit cleanup in the playoffs. So they obviously have the faith and belief in Carlson, maybe Carlson slides up and gives him some more uh lineup protection and gives Goldschmidt more opportunity for RBI. But you mentioned him reverting it to his ways. His average launch angle was 11.7 degrees this year, which is which actually was a reduced launch angle. And you mentioned 2016, it lined up. 2016 he had 11.1 average launch angle. And then I saw I was I started doing this thing I'm like, okay, so he improved his uh, line line drive rate um 14 14.5 Points at thirty eight point nine percent, which is elite. reduces the ground ball rate, reduces uh, and fly ball rate because you had to put it somewhere, right? We had a career high sweet spot percentage. His pop up and under percentage both improved, which makes sense because he reduced his launch angle to try to hit for better average. He was actually more willing to go to all fields because you saw him. He went at least to thirty percent to all fields this year, which is amazing. And then again, I did this little. I went to I did this little exercise of twenty sixteen versus twenty twenty because and it's funny because you mentioned twenty sixteen, everything changed, and that's where it was like his last two season like this. K rate 21.3%, 18.6%, walk rate 15.6, 16%, Babbitt, 358, 364. This is 2016 to 2020.
0: Yeah.
1: BA, BA 297, 304, yeah, all the way down to I could keep going. Basically, it's all the same. Like his O contact, his Z contact, his contact overall was a, was, was literally 79.4% to 79.5%. First pitch swing percentage was 22.3 to 22.9. My point is he literally reverted back to 2016. Right, Literally. right. It's swing swinging strike rate, whiff rate. I, I remember putting a tweet out. I had to go find my tweet. It's a yeah. little mini thread I put together. It is so identical. So when you look at his – so let's look at his 2016 numbers. You mentioned 25 home runs because that's what he did. 106 runs, 95 RBI. I think he'll still get you 200 combined runs in RBI. The guy has played 155 games or more every year since 2015. So you mm-hmm. know he's not like, – He you know unless he gets a freak injury, he's going to stay healthy. Yeah. The problem is, is in 2016, those 32 stolen bases aren't coming back. He's not right. getting those. So I understand 290, 25, 200 combined runs in RBI. That's not going to win you your league, but that won't lose your league. And I think there pr- uh, is think there is something valuable to that is what I'm pretty much saying. But he will give you chip-in speed. He's given you three in one over the last two years, but one came in the short period. So three to five steals feels like a fair estimate. So it's not a zero-zero, but it's not much better. My point being, though, is that he is that guy again. But I think there's a chance for more power still. Maybe I'm being optimistic. I don't know. Either way, I really like it. I really like him this year. And I yeah. rambled on way longer than I need to about Paul Goldschmidt. He was a guy. He was a guy. I was fading because you mentioned it was a slow and steady decline. It was obvious, we, man. We saw was, the resurgence, though. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe this whole fly ball re- revolution thing is just dying down. People want to go back to being better hitters. I mean, maybe I doubt it, but maybe some will do it. Like this will it help age a lot better with this skill set compared to a guy who signed up for power in his early 30s or he's entering his mid-30s, isn't he? He is 33 in two months. He'll be yeah, he'll 30. be 33 next year. A guy not on the ADP, though, that we should probably bring up. He, he I guess he wasn't registered as a first base eligible player at the time or something, but I don't see him on here is um oh, wow where's he what's his name wow I'm here Vlad Vlady Vladimir Guerrero Oh yeah yes He's not on here why is he not on here Why isn't he, he was he's first base he played first base last year and he's going to be
0: playing first base at points this year probably keeping it That's right yeah he's not on here but his ADP is we'll find him right now <laughs> we, we we came <laughs> prepared I swear um, Uh yeah 69 69.6 nice. Yes
1: uh <laughs> What are your thoughts on Vladdy? He, I mean, he looks—he's in. He did the whole lost weight again. He's in shape again. Um, I want to buy in, dude. The,
0: the hit tools is still there. It's just the ground balls are the problem. Uh, yeah, I I, I want to buy in too. I really do. I I've done a few mocks now to this point, and it's like I he's someone that like I, I keep having in my queue, but someone just you mm-hmm. know drops him ahead of me. He, I mean, and I think you're probably gonna have that one person in your league that like really wants vlad jr and is probably going to draft him probably ahead of where i want to draft him because i i want to believe that that uh he's going to bring that line long- he's going to put the ball in the air he's going to be that hitter that he was in the minor leagues you know hitting 300 a lot well, of power but in the minor leagues he hit a ton of ground balls too but it's different
1: yeah. uh, pro ball. He also pulled right. the ball a lot more in the minors, though. His pull rate hasn't really been all that impressive in the majors. Only 41% each of the last two years. 41.3, 41.5. But If you look in the minors, 53.6, 44.1, which is barely higher. 50, 62%. Like He's al- always pulled the ball a lot more, so maybe he'll get back to pulling the ball more, which will maybe help him get the ball in the air more. I don't know. Like The thing is, is, I want to buy in as well because the pedigree's there, the hit tool's there. But we've yet to see it. Yes, he lost weight, but is that really gonna change him beating out ground balls? Probably not. I don't know because I'm such a sucker for good plate discipline, and we know he has it in terms of walks and strikeouts, but he still hasn't even fixed his walk rate. Like his walk, he used to walk a lot more than the
0: minors as well.
1: I don't know, man.
0: I yeah, I, I mean there's still plenty to though. like. I mean, the yes, the, the max power. exit velocity, <laughs> right? The Rob, the power is there, the max exit velocity of 116. You know, last year was 118. Fifty percent hard hit rate. The barrel rate came up a little bit. He still doesn't strike out. I mean, it's there. It's just when is it going to come? You know, uh, is it is this year going to be it? I mean, and if it is, you're getting a steal at, at where he's being drafted. Uh, but if he's more or less the same, I mean, then you're getting a two seventy hitter, twenty five home runs. Um, so that's well, that poses my next question. Where who do you where
1: would you fit him in here? Would you? Take him over Pete Alonso, Matt Olson, or Paul Goldschmidt because per ADP he's going after he's going right between um Olson and Goldschmidt I think or actually right before Olson yes right before Olson so he's going before Olson and Goldschmidt after the other ones I mentioned Pete Alonso and Boyd. Is that is that where he belongs? I think I think the tier is correct, but I think so too. I just don't know if I can take him over Paul Goldschmidt because I just mentioned how much I love him. But I think I would take him over Matt Olson because as much as I'm concerned about Vladdy's batting average or lack of power, Matt Olson the power isn't a problem. It's the batting average. They don't even play him to uh, to left field at all. Like there's nobody on the left side of the field, and he still pulls everything into into groundouts because they have like seven people on the right side of the field. <laughs> or like, actually, they probably all—they probably all have all their fielders over there. My point is, is uh, if he—if he, until he's willing to go the opposite field, Ben Olson's not going to hit for a good average.
0: That's yeah.
1: So, cool. so I think it becomes right in that range. I think it's it where he belongs. Because I still think I'd rather
0: have the rest I mentioned. Right? Like, or is that where you're at? I think. I don't know.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. More or less. <laughs> I mean, the thing oh. with Olson too. I mean, uh, Olson's got those lefty splits. I mean, he just can't hit lefties yet. <laughs> Well, it, it is.
1: that's true, too. So now uh, there comes a question of why not, like, we're. I don't want to skip ahead. We'll get to it. Um, but, yeah, we agree that he should be in this top 12 here. He's just not on the ADP, but he is first base eligible, so I don't understand why he's not in the ADP. But the number nine first baseman here, I was a little surprised to see him this aggressively ranked, but at the same time, I kind of get it, is Dominic Smith. Mm-hmm. He is an with an ADP of 101.6. A high pick of seventy seven, a low pick of one fifty one. He had his breakout. Another guy with a swing change. He had he. It was just a little more, um, a little more of a. I can't. I have to find the actual video of it. I'll talk about the actual changes he made. But regardless, he made the swing change. He made the swing change and the uh, batting stance change and all that. The way that came into positive change in production. Do you buy into Dom Smith? It sounds like the DH should be back in the NL as well. Uh, from, I guess they're going to have to you know, negotiate that, but it sounds like it's going to be one of those things they get. Are you, Does that make you more like interested in him at his price? Uh, the,
0: there's no question that Dom Smith definitely made some strides, and he is a good hitter, uh, no denying that. I mean, 2019, even in the 89 games he played, it was 282, 11 home runs. You know, more or less the same as – you know, what he was doing last year. He's just kind of built off that. And uh, Dom Smith is a solid hitter. It's just one of those things where, I mean, I need to see the off season play out for the Mets. Um, You know, we we know that, you know, they're probably going to be aggressive. Who knows, you know, how that shakes out because it just seems like they have a ton of guys. You know, they, they got J.D. Davis. They've got Pete Alonzo. Um, they have Jeff McNeil. They have a, a lot of guys who... You know Robinson Cano is he gonna play second base? You know just um, I see Dom Smith maybe getting one hundred and forty games. Yeah, because it depends. I'd say it depends a lot on Cano
1: because if Cano, right. Cano shouldn't be in the field anymore either, but shouldn't so either should J D Davis and Dom Smith is like, unless it's first base really shouldn't be either. So it becomes a lot of the same like because they have Alonzo there too. So there's a lot going on there, but. I do what I do like about Dom Smith is the barrel rate was a career best, and that was with dropping his launch angle this year, which again goes back into that mechanical cha- mechanical change, and with it came the 316, 377, seventy seven, six sixteen triple slash, all of which is backed up pretty much by the uh, X stats. Uh, the X stats are a little lower, so obviously he overperformed a little bit, but he, the launch angle change, the hard hit rate was was up as well. Career best sweet swap percentage, average exit velocity technically a career best, but barely, but the barrel rate, it's just like he was getting better contact on the ball. He was pulling it a career high 42.2%. So maybe he was even, you know, he was trying to generate more power too, and it worked. He had a career best line drive rate. His ground balls were still kind of problematic at 41.5%, but he wasn't hitting a lot of fly balls. So the the if he doesn't pull as much, the power could drop off a little bit too, because if he's with all those line drives, I'm surprised he was even able to generate the big power the the pop that he did. It's, I mean it was only 10 home runs wasn't like huge. But I don't know. Maybe what are we looking at? Is it maybe is he 2020 or 2021's JD Davis basically? Uh
0: I, I think he might be a little bit safer. Um I I he's not a 368 Babip guy. That he's so he's not he's likely not a three uh, over three hundred hitter. Um I think Dom Smith is more of you know the 2019 282. Um, it's, totally I think it's still, yeah, that's still, that's still solid. Um, but you know that there's going to be some BABIP regression there because he's not a 368 guy. And then line drive rate is, I mean, it's not very sticky at all. So you, you can't really expect a, two, a 26% um, line drive rate again. Um, maybe that comes down a little bit. And if that BABIP comes down as well, like I said, like I think 280 or so, um, which is still good. Uh, I'm just looking I at the just, swing strike rate
1: and the O swing, and I'm surprised his strikeouts aren't higher. He has a 37.1% O swing. That's a really high. Like that's that's seven point. That's about six and a half percent higher than league average. And the the swing strike rate is 1.1% higher than league average at 12.4%. So to see the strikeouts stick to 22.6%, which is roughly league average, we could see that dec- decrease, dec- decline a little bit as well. Which would, but that also makes sense because you're thinking of him being a, you know, a little lower in a batting average department. That would fit in, but you do have to remember the guy was a first round pick at one, first round pick at one point. So the pedigree's there. Maybe yeah. he finally just came into it. So I'm not, so I'm not out on him. It's just I don't know if I'm going to be getting him because of draft costs Because around right. pick 100, you have to make decisions like, well, do you want Max Muncy, who feels a little safer? I mean, we know his batting average is a problem, though. You take a shot on. I mean, Matt Chapman. You bounce, assume he's gonna bounce back. I'd rather have Eddie Rosario, who is going ahead of him technically, but barely. Um, Dansby Sp- Dan's Dansby Swanson's a guy I'd rather have. Will Myers becomes really intriguing to me. So it's right. like, uh, like, do you want like? Are there any of these names like that you'd rather have or rather have him over? It's hard so, to say.
0: We see like a we see like a tear break here. Like after Goldschmidt, we see uh, Dom Smith. Max Muncie, Anthony Rizzo, Alec Bohm, and then it kind of drops off a bit again. Uh, between the four there in that tier, Smith, Muncie, Rizzo, and Bohm, I think I would probably have Smith last in, in that tier. It's funny because um, Bohm
1: isn't even showing as on this ADP as well. <laughs> yeah, Either. yeah. That's why it's like,
0: it, it's frustrating. He did get seven games in at first base. Uh, so, I mean, like, he'll be eligible like on, on Fantrax and NFBC. Um Which, I mean, you know, I'm I'm counting him as a first baseman, but it was a good name to
1: bring up because I'd rather have him as well over Donald right.
0: Smith. So Smith for me is is last kind of in that tier. I mean for Rizzo, like Rizzo and Bohm, like all Rizzo, Bohm, and Smith can all kind of more or less do the same things. But do like I'm I'm banking on that. Uh, playing time for Rizzo and Boehm I know they're going to be in the lineup every day Smith I mean not that he's going to be like some kind of part-time platoon player but maybe he gets in 140 games and maybe is that a tiebreaker if you're getting you know a dozen to 15 more games from you know the other guys are in this tier and yeah just Smith's just going to be someone that it for me is just going too high for for where I'd like to take him. I, I,
1: am kind of with you and we're going to revisit something here in a second when it comes to him, but you mentioned some of the names here, Max Muncy, um, going 10th, first baseman off the board again, this is without Bohm, So we'll talk about Bohm here in a second as well, but Anthony Rizzo going 11th and rounding out the top 12 in the ADP in front of us is Eric Hosmer. Um, Max Muncy real quick. I think we know what he is, but with, with tra- he, it's his multi-positional eligibility that kind of keeps him really relevant in terms of, uh, in terms of his value but that batting average is is a legit concern are you interested in max muncie at 101.7 or is that still also a little rich considering that batting average could be a real drag or does the multi-positional eligibility kind of make up for that
0: um I, i think it does and it also depends on you know at that point if you've kind of banked on some batting average um because we know that he's going to be, you know, one of those 250 hitters with uh, a ton of power and good counting stats in the Dodgers lineup. So at that point, it just, you know, can you take that that batting average hit? And, you know, these days, 250 to between 250 and 260 isn't going to kill you, uh, especially like in a 15 team league. So I honestly don't mind Max Muncy here at, at all. Uh, yeah. What do you think?
1: Eh, I don't, I'd rather just go somewhere else. I mean, if I need the positional eligibility at this point, he's a roster construction guy and you're getting to that point in the draft where in that, like those round 100, like that round 100 area, we just start taking needs more than anything. So if I need a second mm-hmm. base or if I feel like I maybe took some risk on injury early on, Max Muncy should be a safe bet to, to get the at-bats and playing time and probably bounce around and, you know, still st- at play most days, which is valuable for fantasy, especially in your deeper formats. But, what about Alec Bohm? Would you rather have Alec Bohm over max Muncie? I would rather have
0: Alec Bohm yeah. me too
1: I think I think Alec Bohm not only is he a top prospect in terms of he was a college I believe he was a college bat came pretty much uh like that was what he he was known for was his bat as well so he came into he came into the league being a bat first prospect and he should just continue i mean he did really well in his short stint. I don't see why he would have much trouble repeating a lot of what we saw, but Looking at this as well, Anthony Rizzo is a name that's really intriguing. I think the Cubs as a whole deserve a pass this year. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They were bad. Yeah. But I'm looking – I was looking at him. I didn't really see anything that stood out. Like his BABIP was really low this year. But nothing right. else really – other than BABIP, bad BABIP luck, which, again, 218 is really low. He's a career 286 BABIP guy. So the the OBP was still there. The, the power – I mean, he put up 11 home runs, so the power
0: was still there. I just, He's- it's just the running average. Right. He's one of these that just it, it looks really obvious, like everything else is the same. But that Babbitt, you know, that Babbitt of 218, he he's really like I mean, at at this price, he might even be my favorite of this tier. Um, I mean, I really like Bohm as well. Uh, and right there for me, I mean, I think I can bank on the power uh, for Rizzo a little more. You know, you're probably going to get it between, you know, 28 to 32 home runs for from Rizzo. Um, boom it is that going to translate uh we didn't really see it yet uh in this short season uh is it there it it might be there but i think for me rizzo kind of feels like the safest of these of this tier here just because like everything is obvious there with with his profile is that Babbitt. i'm wondering
1: how much and i know a few cubs players mentioned not having the in-game tape and all that to adjust i'm not sure i know Javier ba- Baez was one of them. I think Chris Bryant even mentioned it. Rizzo might have been another one. A lot of the Cubs guys are talking about that. And you look at it, he was less aggressive at the plate. His first pitch, str- his first pitch swing rate was a career low, 18.9%, which is coming off a uh, second uh, the career low in 2019. So it got even lower. So he's being a little more patient. But... You look at his batting average on fastballs at 202 with an XBA of 278, a batting average of 250 on off-speed pitches, an XBA of 270. In 2019, he hit 271 against off-speed with a similar XBA. In 2019, he hit 305 against fastballs with an XBA of 326. So what I'm trying to say is he underperformed even on the pitches he was, you know, hitting. So it's like there's a lot of re- positive regression due here. Mm-hmm. And I don't see any reason to be too down on him. his launch angle, his average launch angle was up, So, maybe his swing just wasn't right, maybe he was compensating maybe he was trying too hard, maybe maybe he was pressing. We don't know, but I'm willing to give him a pass because he's too much of a known commodity to just suddenly fall off, and he's only thirty one years old. that's not old, and he's t- gonna be it's he's gonna be thirty one entering twenty twenty one as well. I'm willing to give him a pass, and I like him at his price. There's a lot to like here, I think still, yeah, and I'm glad we agree on that one, and the final guy who. This is what I've been waiting to bring up because I don't see why anybody should take Dom Smith over Eric Hosmer. <laughs> That's where I'm at.
0: Why is Eric Hosmer? <laughs> Eric right. Hosmer.
1: Like I want to. Like there are concerns. I'll get to him in a minute, but there's lots to like as well. What are your thoughts on Eric Hosmer entering 2021?
0: I like Eric Cosmer at this price uh, for sure. Uh, where is he going? Was it 140?
1: Something absurdly great. 148. It- yeah. Very
0: surprised, right? One forty-eight. So I i mean, he's one of these that I mean, we saw San Diego be aggressive on the Bates pass. He's one of these guys who could chip in some steals uh, at a position where you n- normally wouldn't get any steals from. And we, you have to like the lineup there with Tatis and Grisham and Machado um and Cronenworth. You got Hosmer there, likely batting cleanup. I mean, you gotta like it from accounting stats uh, perspective. You you like uh, th- there's a lot to like here with with Hosmer. I know you did some research on the you know perception that he started you know lifting the ball more. Uh, I yeah. think you know what'd you find there? It kind of started to die back down at near the That's end. That's
1: what huh? scares me. Yeah, people don't
0: maybe realize that uh, and I honestly should have looked
1: more in terms of ground ball, rate. But I'm so, I think actually I did look into, I just can't find the numbers right now, but it also obviously the ground balls went up because oh, I, I did a quick look at his ground ball rate chart because if you look at his average launch angle, I just had his stats pulled up. His average launch angle as a whole was I believe 14 degrees. I'm pulling his page back up right now to confirm this again. You would think I'd be more of a professional. However, I have all these screens up and nothing in front of me. <laughs> so I lied. It was at 1.14 degrees. See, it was only 8.7 degrees. That was his average launch angle. By far, career high. Like the next closest was 6 degrees in 2015, to give you an idea. So he obviously made a conscious effort to raise the ball. But the issue was, if you actually go look at his rolling chart, and his his, <laughs> it was pretty much like a it's up, up, and it just kind of takes a dip. Comes back up a little bit and dips back down. He essentially started at around ten to twelve degrees, pretty much the start of the year. Then it dropped all the way down to like the six mark, up around eight, and then back down around six, and finished around kind of four to six the whole second half of the year. So I'm afraid he was reverting, or maybe fatigue, not getting enough reps in, but he was getting closer to that that issue that he's been having with with the increase in, uh, in the, with the launch angle. So if he doesn't pick back up in what he was doing in terms of, you know, staying consistent with keeping the launch angle a little higher, we could see him turn right back into that uh, ground ball hitter. But there were other changes, you know, because he was able to lift the ball a little bit. the Ground ball rate did improve 9%, 9.8% actually. I think I can't do math right now. I think it's 9.8%. But uh, his pull rate, he actually was w- way, way uh, pull heavier. His pull rate went up 5.7%. So, there were other things like he obviously intended to put more power uh, behind his swing and to, he tried to generate power. And this was a career high pull rate. And the last time we saw pull rates like this were his good Royals days. So obviously between pulling the ball more, getting the ball in the air more that generated the power. I still like that. He you know made these changes and I expect him to kind of with a full offseason season, hone in on everything, kind of get it all working again and enter the season doing, doing good things and, continuing the trend he started with i'm just a, it's just one of those things you have to watch out for because he's obviously never had this this was a new swing he was another one who reworked his mechanics so sometimes it takes some time for a player to get used to that and then he was dealing with injuries so how much of it was let me you know what uh, he's working on it but he he also has all these years of having a certain swing and being comfortable doing something he might have just reverted to what was comfortable to him as he was adjusting and getting through this shortened crazy season again playing hurt half the time it feels like
0: yeah. Yeah, and you know what? He he's only 31. It, it feels like he's like 35, but yeah. <laughs> he's only th- he's only 31. So, um I mean, yeah, he's going to be a really interesting one and and I don't mind drafting him if he's going at, you know, around 140. Um I don't mind that at all. Like I said, I like I like the lineup. Uh we'll see if maybe some of those changes uh stick. Um and you could chip in some steals. I, I don't mind Eric Cosmer there at all one bit. Gotcha. And that's the top 12. So we did this last time.
1: We have about seven minutes left. Let's talk. Is there a couple guys that you would like outside the top 12 that are just like... I mean, I know there's one we both we both love. But <laughs> I'll let you have him if you want. But is he the one you want to bring up? Do you want to talk about
0: anybody else? Um. Well, I mean, the next two guys are... Really interesting, you know, bounce back candidates in Josh Bell and Reese Hoskins. I mean, these are a couple guys, too, that I'm taking a shot on at, at you know, one or the other here, especially if Reese Hoskins could come in and he shows that he's healthy uh, to start the season. I mean, you can't quit Josh Bell. <laughs> I, you can't. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not quitting Josh Bell.
1: <laughs> but <Button for>, you're going <laughs> for
0: And it makes no sense because his,
1: I mean, the price. I guess if you're gonna stick to your guns, this is the year with the price, you know. But my thing is, is their skill sets. Like we know Bell could be good. We saw it in the first half of 2019, and if you look at his other numbers, he's always been solid. So it's like for him to be to him for him to completely fall off. I think a lot of it is just maybe he's quit on that team, even or and the team around him just has never been good. So he's no protection. But how much different is he than say, oh, I don't know, Rowdy Teles? Going at going 150 picks later. You know what oh I mean?
0: Like Yep, yep. There it is. We're we're both really high on Rowdy Telez. Yes. Absolutely love Rowdy Telez. So uh, Telez is one that I'm gonna have on all my teams. I mean, you think he has a ADP here in these two early mocks of um three thirteen. Three yeah, three thirteen, holy smokes. I mean I, I'm if I need to, I would take him hundred picks earlier. <laughs> to be I would take him. I would take him around two forty, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, um, Telez is one we both really like. I mean, uh, the thing is, like, you love to hear from these players that, you know, consciously make a change. It's it's not just a, a random variance kind of thing. I mean, Telez wanted to make more contact. He knows he has power. Uh, he made that, that effort to make more contact, and we, we saw it. I mean, the strikeout rate uh, down to 15%, uh, walk rate up to 8%. Hit 283 with the 276 BABIP. I mean, you you could buy that 283 all day. That cast was uh, XBA of 286. Uh, He still hit eight homers in 127 plate appearances. That was about a 35 homer pace over. uh, No, it's about 30 homer pace over 500 plate appearances. So I'm not even giving him like you know anything crazy like 600 plate appearances if playing time is a concern. Which to me, with you know, if Vlad is going to play a lot more third base um, again, which he has come out and said that, that he's hoping to do, that he expects to do, between first base and DH, I mean, I think over a 162 season, or even if you want to prorate that to how many ever games we get, 500 plate appearances, is it's easy. I mean, I, you know, that's probably the over-under there for Roddy Tellez. And 30 home runs and a 280 average?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's just so
0: much you... to, like, he's...
1: Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just saying, because my big thing was you mentioned it. He came in wanting to make that change. He came into the season saying, you know what? I know I have power. I'm going to just make more contact. And that's what he did. He made more contact across the board. And with it came what we saw, what would have been, I think, a uh, a full-on breakout, to be honest. But then among qualified hitters, two names were top twelve in increasing their zone contact rate, their chase contact rate, and first pitch sw- swing rates. So this shows that they were more aggressive and just made more contact all around. Your boy Luke Voit and our guy Roddy Telez. That's a heck. That's those are. That's the name you want to be, uh, uh, you know, married to. Because if Luke yeah. Voit, he could be this year's Luke Voit if playing time is there, and he obviously and the changes uh, sustain. Another thing was is that both were top five in increasing their whiff rate, which makes sense. It's just a correlation thing. You know, you're making way more contact. Your whiffs are going to go down, obviously. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's like when I saw those two kind of the only two together in this little like thing, like in this little like uh, research I did, just random research, I was looking up stuff. I was like, wow, it made me like them even more. And there are other things, that, reasons to like them, but between the actual change, and then, you know, just all the gains he made with the change you got. All, and you mentioned um, the Vlad playing third base more and expects to unless they make a crazy signing or something. I don't see why Telez won't be their DH slash first baseman.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly I mean, who I'm else at. is I'm just looking at the roster and it says who, who else is going to DH for them? You know, it's, uh, it's a lot be. of people think it's uh, that uh, Alejandro, is it Alejandro Kirk. Kirk uh, I think he's he's probably gets sp- splits playing time with with Danny Jansen but well the thing about Kirk I brought up to a friend of mine who's a big Toronto Blue Jays fan
1: the reason why I don't think Kirk is a immediate threat to his playing time if you look at his minor league track record he's only played he's only played above high A once and that was during his 9 game stint last year so I think there's more seasoning to be had in the minor leagues because of his lack of playing time at the big league above high A that's what right. I pointed, that, I pointed that out to my buddy yesterday. And that's my only reason. I think Kirk will be a mid call-up, assuming... Because, I mean, if you look at his minor league track record, that stuff should translate well to the higher levels of the minors. But I still think he goes to get more seasoning there. And I agree. I think Jansen's the one that gets affected by this more than... Um, more than Telez. But we had Obviously, we're assuming Telez sticks with uh, the hitting as
0: well. Yeah. I, I think... um uh... I think we're pretty much going to see one of Jansen or Kirk kind of, one of them is going to have to take over that, you know, catcher job. It's basically going to be like the hot hand, uh, whichever one's performing is probably going to get more playing time at catcher, but I just, I don't see either really, uh, you know, taking away from, from Tellez, uh all that much. I think Telez is pretty safe there at uh, first base in DH. So that's why I put him at maybe around 500 plate appearances. Um, I, I wouldn't go, like, I, I'm not going to no, say that's he's a fair, that's a fair estimate, man. I like that. I'm glad you went 500, not 600, because I think that's realistic. Yeah, yeah. So a ton of like we're here with Telez. I mean, he still had a 117 max exit velocity. That's right up there with the best in the league, you know, so... Um, really big rowdy to Les Van. I'm gonna have a lot of him uh, in in
1: 2021. No, I'm not here in my leagues. Um, <laughs> but the last guy I want to bring up tonight, because there's a lot. Again, we're gonna have, we're gonna do deeper first base discussions later on. This was just kind of a surface thing. We're at the hour. We're pretty much at the hour mark. But what I wanted to bring up was Trey Mancini. Sounds like he says he says he's pretty much himself right now. So if all goes well, assuming health, where would you plug in Trey Mancini? I think he was a 21st catcher. I, sh- I should know this, right? 21st, not catcher, first baseman off the board right now with an ADP of 231. I think you can argue he should be up there with Josh Bell and Reese Hoskins in that 150 range, 14th, 15th overall at the position. I know cancer is a crazy scary thing, but a healthy Trey Mancini, I, th-
0: I think we all forget how good that is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. The only thing is, I think I think he might only have uh, outfield eligibility coming into the year. Um, you think? I'm just asking. I
1: have no idea because I'll go look at his last games played. But yeah, it shows him as first base right now uh, on these mocks.
0: Oh, okay. if, if he's uh, first base in the mocks, I mean, it, if
1: yeah, he's, he played 56 games, he started 51 games in 2019. And he started, so he's, he should have multi positional eligibility. Played eighty three outfield
0: games in twenty nineteen. He's
1: coming with multi positional
0: eligibility, buddy. Right, right. Okay, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty cool. So if he's yeah first base outfield, that that makes him that would make him even more interesting for sure. Um, yeah, big big Trey Mancini fan. So I think you're right. I think uh, around that Josh Bell, Reese Hoskins. You do, don't have to draft him there, that's for sure. But I think he, you he know, might as as by the time season, draft season comes around, though. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see on his ADP. But I think you're right. I think that's a good call if we're ranking him among the first baseman. Uh, he's probably slots in right there in that range right now. And Just to give everybody an
1: idea of a, of a healthy Trey Mancini, the last year he was healthy, 2019, 35 home runs, uh, 21% strikeout rate, 291 batting average. 106 runs 97 RBI that that team isn't really that bad around him either it's okay not great but he should be able to, to give you that 200 runs and RBI total the 35 home runs are a little iffy because he's never hit higher than 24 prior to that so I would still get I would be and that was the juice ball season so I would still bank closer to 25 to 28 and hoping for 30 not expecting 30 to 35 impressive jump by your cat there and um <laughs> so still in the background um Sorry, I just caught my. Th- I am ADD squirrel. Uh, <laughs> that's really what that was. But then you know, I'm just looking at them, and I'm like, "Well, what happened in 2018?" And I'm like, "I remember doing research on them way back when." I'm like, "Oh, yeah, his launch angle corrected in 20 20- in 2018. It was it went down, and some of the stats faltered. It went back up to 7.8 degrees in 2019, which matches 2017. And if you look at the 2017 and 2019 numbers, a lot of similarities in terms of." Uh, batting average in terms of um just other production as well. So I I, th- I remember if I remember correctly, that was like the two the two years that kind of made sense. I, was, I remember being higher on him. I'm going to have to dive into him again because you, you have to redo your research. I mean, he missed a whole year. Yeah, but it's crazy. I'm, I mean, obviously health first, but there's a lot I really
0: like here. I really like a lot about Mancini. Oh yeah, I mean before the uh, before the cancer, I mean he was uh top twelve. Top maybe? 12.
1: <laughs> that's <laughs> the thing I think about that i like i think top 12 i'm trying it's funny because i'm really trying to find like some of my old t- i remember doing an old tweet and i just can't find it and oh, uh, somebody here it is um listening to you here's one somebody just commented to us listening to you and at roto underscore know, so me and you podcast right now and we were talking about first base risers and training team is one of them for us yeah. Going back to uh, January twenty of twenty January twenty eighth of this year, so we were very much in on the Trey Mancini. <laughs> I remember that. Oh man. Okay. Cool. Sorry. I just thought I'd quick plug uh, a quick plug on an old tweet. Somebody uh, that's from Jimbo Slice at Islander Dynasty. So thanks yeah. for that, man. I can't believe I found that. Anyway, on that note, we're gonna head out of here, George. Um, thank you for joining me tonight, man. Don't forget, you can follow George on Twitter at roto underscore nino. You can follow me on Twitter at mike underscore Curlin. On your way out, if you feel if you're feeling gracious, leave a five-star rating or review. We greatly appreciate it. Um, I am moving, I guess I'll just tell you that now. I am moving. I have five days until I move. So this might be the last podcast until after I'm in the new house, which should be sometime next week, hopefully. (laughs) Assuming all goes well. And um, but yeah, we won't be we won't be gone too long, hopefully. We're trying to get back into the swing of things. I know we've kind of been sporadic. Apologize for that. A lot of that's on me. So, um, again, as always, everyone, we appreciate everyone who listens and supports us throughout all, all year in the off season and all that good stuff. And we will talk to you soon.